Welcome to the podcast on a dark day in U.S. history. As we were doing the show, Glenn will give you some great updates on the work that has been done through the Nazarene Fund. Uh, and at least, thank God they acted quickly because the situation in the middle of the show shook out of control. You, of course, probably know by now the bombing that went off. That happens in the middle of the program today. Uh, and you can get our instant reaction to it. And some attempt to put it in perspective, though it's impossible to put a failure like this into perspective. It really is. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go to subscribe. We'll have more coverage all day and all the shows on the Blaze, of course, including Studios America. I'd love to have you subscribe to the podcast as well. If that's how you get the show, if that's the best way for you to take it in, we'll have all the details uh, as they come out. But there's just not much more to say. This is a terrible, terrible day. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Um, I just want you to know, we'll talk about this later, but I want you to know um, the discrediting of the Nazarene Fund and probably me and this program is coming um, because we are not making friends with the State Department. Um, we got a tip uh, today from uh, a news organization um, that had a um, somebody inside of a, a, a government organization, and they said that there was a meeting today about uh, us. And um, the warning was, they're coming. And I know that, and that's fine. And um, what we're doing here is, we believe, God's work, and so be it. If this is the end of our career, my career, it's fine. I am totally fine with that. I just want you to know that awful things are going to be said uh, in the future. I hope not. I hope not. But um, they're not going to let us sit here uh, and uh, do what we've done without ramifications. Laura Logan is with us now. Hello, Laura. How are you? You know, again, um, I'm very glad to be here. And I will tell you, I don't care what they say. Um, I will stand by you in the Nazarene Fund because the only people right now who are more evil than Al-Qaeda and the Taliban are the State Department and the agency, and all the others who are doing everything possible in their power to prevent uh, decent Americans and good people uh, standing up for our allies and rescuing people and saving them from certain death. And I've been up all night working this for eight days, and it is reprehensible. So, Laura, people don't understand um, what... How can the State Department do this? What are they doing exactly? What is the White House? How are they thwarting? Can you, can you okay. share some examples? Oh, yeah, easily. So because I've been doing this all night. So, um, well, for example, I have had, like I had 150 people, families, that I ripped out of their homes with children and everything else, all of whom are uh, targeted for death because they worked with 60 Minutes or they were legendary, um, you know, in the military um, and uh, mm -hmm. um, fought the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. 
And as the plane was coming into land, my American Special Operations contact had told me that they had been denied clearance. So suddenly out of nowhere, when they had clearance before, they denied clearance. The pilots, and I will tell you, there's so many operators on the ground who are just outraged at what they're being asked to participate in and be part of this betrayal. And so the team uh, running the operation said, no, we're not going to do it. We're landing anyway. And um, they went to look without a landing strip and without lights for a place to land. And they were coming in and they were threatened that they would be shot down. So they had to, you know, they had to circle and and they were running out of fuel. And they've gone back to another country and uh, they're trying to to get the clearances again to come back in and being blocked by the State Department. Yesterday, the State Department changed again the evacuation paperwork. They changed the paperwork. You're in the last few moments. I'm going to tell you now, Glenn, they, I heard all through yesterday and through last night that by nightfall today in Kabul, which is not far away, they would be gone. We have reports of the 82nd Airborne, um, you know, evicting Christians and American citizens and others from the airport and bulldozing um, checkpoints. Uh, we have reports of gates being welded shut, which, of course, I, I can't confirm from a distance, but there's been multiple we reports. Ha- I will that. tell you, we have those same reports, Laura, so there's a second source. We have the same reports. And I, I just, I got to tell you that, I mean, we, I have literally got photographs of, you know, a pregnant woman, wife of a DEA agent, with a child at the checkpoint, battered and beaten and bloody, who's fought her way to get there. We've got special operators, special operations guys and Marines, who are out there rescuing people, risking their lives, only to get to the airport and be denied access by the U.S. government, whether they instruct the Marines or the 82nd on the gates to shut them down, whether they shut down the Marines. Right now, one of my contacts that I've been working with for days said that uh, he's had, you know, dozens and dozens of messages to the Marines have now gone unanswered. They've stopped, um, they've stopped talking to him. Everybody's scrubbing their packages, and they're on their way out. And, you know, now there's reports of a suicide bomber and um, gunfire, mm-hmm. which uh, families that I'm uh, in touch with on the ground witnessed. Um, and uh, I was talking them through it and trying to keep them calm. But I tell you what makes me so angry. They're going to, you watch, they're going to say that they had to shut everything down early because of the threat level. And it is absolute nonsense. They were doing this and shutting it down long before that even happened. And even more reprehensible and dishonest, this is how disgusting these people are. They are now trying to say that Suraj Khani, the deputy leader of the Taliban, right, whose brother, Anasa Khani, was sitting next to Zomai Khalilzad, the U.S. presidential envoy at the talks in Doha, um, that they have separated from the Taliban and they've gone with ISIS-K. You know why they're saying that, Glenn? You know why they're making up that absolute lie? Because they know they've been called out. And I was one of the people that called them out. So it was Tom Jocelyn at the Long War Journal and a bunch of others. Because the Haqqani Network is a foreign terrorist organization designated by the U.S. Uh, government in 2012. And it is illegal under U.S. law to negotiate or support terrorists to provide any kind of support for them in any way whatsoever. And now that it's been called out, look, lo and behold, how convenient How convenient that suddenly the deputy leader of the Taliban has split away. I don't believe it. 
for one single second. In fact, I'll put my life on it that that is an abject lie. Even if they say it themselves, that's a deal that they struck. When the head of the CIA went and met with Mullah Baradar, the man that they chose to lead the Islamic Emirates, and by the way, guess who they chose as their intel chief? The guy who's going to be in charge of intelligence for the Taliban is his strongest ally is who? The IRGC, the Iranian Revolutionary Guards. He ran training camps for the Taliban inside Iran, and he and the new head of IRGC are, are uh, you know, bonded at the hip. And the, one of the chief political advisors of the Taliban in Kabul right now, advising Mullah Baradar, is the other person in the Taliban who is close to IRGC. They're two top Iranian contacts. And you watch out, Israel and Taiwan and all of these countries all over the world, because right now, America's enemies are coming for us. And all these people are going about their daily life in America, and they want to talk about this, and they want to talk about that, and they just want to pretend that Afghanistan is not happening. You wait, because we are now isolated on the world stage. We are defined by betrayal and drenched in the blood of Afghans and American citizens, And I've got soldiers, special operations soldiers, veterans, some of them 10, 15, 20 tours, vomiting last night, vomiting when they realized what they were being asked to participate in. Because this betrayal is an historic shame that will define the United States until the end of time. For as long as we still have, because it is part of a greater assault on this country that will ensure the end of America, the end of the American idea, and act as a warning to anyone all over the world. Don't believe in it. Don't fight for it. Don't stand by it because they don't even believe in their own idea. Look at them. I, Laura, I can't, first of all, everything you say is true. Uh, I mean, I believe every word that you just said is is accurate. Um, the the What people don't understand and, and it was shocking, shocking to me how many times in the last 24 hours since being here, I have heard former allies say, we're done, we're done. Um, yep. You know, to have, to have Parliament yesterday discuss the fact that they will not come to our aid or perform any uh, operations jointly with us until this president and vice president are out. I've never in my lifetime heard anything like that from England or any of them. France is still currently out there saving people. Britain is staying behind after we leave tonight. We're going to leave. Why are we leaving before the 31st when our allies are still on the ground? Glenn, I've, I've, got bigger, I've got even bigger questions for you. Why are we accepting that this is set in stone? Why are we accepting the most humiliating defeat at the hands of a terrorist organization aided and abetted by our allies? Did you see what the Pakistani president, Imran Khan, said? He literally said, that the, that the Taliban have been freed, the people of Afghanistan have been freed from the chains of slavery. That's how he referred to the U.S. Do you know that since 1951, 70 years straight, the United States has been funding Pakistan? 
literally billions and billions and billions of dollars. Why are we sending taxpayer dollars to Pakistan to finance the Taliban and Haqqani and Al-Qaeda to kill American soldiers on that battlefield? Why are we not acknowledging our Afghan allies, the former vice president, Amrullah Saleh, who is now acting president, who is fighting right now? Why are we pushing the Taliban's propaganda narrative that all the Afghans surrendered and that the, the Afghan army and the special operations, they're worthless? All that money spent in all those years, and look at them, they're so useless. How many times have you read that or heard that? And it is an abject lie. Yes, there were soldiers that gave up, but there were many units that kept fighting. And not only that, who would say to their ally, why would you do this? Why would you take a highly specialized special operations force trained by the best operators we have that relies on mobility and in one moment strip it of all of its mobility, the U.S. air support, and at the same moment take all of the maintenance contractors that have kept the Afghan Air Force in the skies and strip those away. And then at exactly the same moment, take away all of your auxiliary support that goes with that. Your soldiers, your bases, your logistics, your supply lines. Why would you do that? And show me the army on earth that could possibly have all that stripped away from it in one moment. And I'm not saying they didn't have warning, they didn't know. That's not the same thing as having a replacement structure already there that's functioning and working. And also what people shouldn't be deceived by and shouldn't fall for is that anyone who's saying what I'm saying right now isn't saying that we have to stay in Afghanistan forever or that the U.S. can't withdraw. We could still leave a special operations counterterrorism component. We could still be doing air support. We could obliterate the Taliban, literally obliterate the Taliban leadership. Their forces are all out in the open. You know why? Because they're literally standing there laughing at you, dancing on America's grave. That's what they're doing. They don't fear you. And you know what? When the Taliban doesn't fear you and Al-Qaeda doesn't fear you and Hezbollah doesn't fear you and Hamas doesn't fear you, the Iranians don't fear you and neither do any of our other adversaries. Neither does Pakistan, neither does China, none of them. So you watch. Americans have, you know, they have had this false sense of security. They've gone off in the world knowing this, this invisible shield that we've had around us, that we're all protected by the power and the moral authority of this nation because the idea of freedom is the idea for which we are all, all prepared to fight and live and die for, right? That's the idea because we believe that this is a noble idea and it's worth fighting for. As, as Amrullah Saleh, the acting president, said to me in an interview just before all of this happened, he actually said to me, called me one day and he was worried because we're friends and I've known him for many years. And he said, Lara, what is happening there? He said, you know, if the light goes out in America, it goes out everywhere. There is then the whole world is plunged into darkness. It cannot go out in America. And, you know, that is what we're looking at, Glenn. The light has gone out in America. It's not gone out in our hearts and souls as Americans, you know, and as people who believe in this. But if we don't stop what's happening now, then we are dying with it because, so, because Laura, it now uh, is fake. 
Laura, I, I can't thank you enough. We're, we, I have to run for a network break. I'd like to talk to you some more on this. Thank you for all of your hard work. We just got in that there is a large explosion at Abbey Gate at the Kabul airport. This is something that we have been warned about for the last 24 hours. Uh, we'll bring you more details as they become possible. Uh, uh, available to us back in just a minute. So I am trying to eat healthier and I am. But the thing is, I don't like healthy food. I don't like any of it. You've heard of a fat suit, right? I mean, there's got to be. When are we getting a skinny suit? Something that will make me look skinny because I just want treats all the time. I grew up in a bakery for the love of Pete. The bad news is no skinny suit is coming. You actually have to do the work, blah, blah, blah. That's why I am eating Built Bars. It satisfies my sweet tooth, but it's a protein bar, but not like, you know, that's like eating stuff at the bottom of my chalkboard usually. This is 100% real chocolate. It's low carb, low sugar. If I'm eating a protein bar as a treat, come on, you gotta know it's good. And I am. Mint brownie, cookies and cream, the new flavors that are coming out all the time, they're fantastic. Go to BuiltBar.com and Use the promo code BECK15 for 15% off your order. Your mouth is going to water just looking at them. Trust me, BuiltBar.com, promo code BECK15. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program live from the Middle East. I'm going to take you directly to Kabul, the airport now, where our good friend and the founder of Mighty Oaks is uh, on the ground. Hello, Chad. How are you? Good, Glenn. How are you? Uh, good. Um, you're still at the airport in Kabul? Actually, I, I'm I'm out. I'm in the same neighborhood. You, you are. are out. So. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But we, yeah we okay. Still have Good. Two, I've been we worried. Still have have... Two of our guys, we still have two of our guys there. Uh, and so what about the guys what sure. about the airplane? What about the airplane that was full of people? I don't want to tell that story. That's your story to tell. If you're ready to tell that, I'm just worried about those people. Yeah, uh, man. I I wish I could. It wasn't the airplane. It was buses. And uh, I, I wish I could say it right now. But we have to get our guys okay. out off the ground first that's fine so that's fine that's fine um so tell us uh tell us what you know chad tell us what the situation is like you were there earlier i i know yeah we you know we have uh you know us to get together with the coalition we have with uh what you guys are doing at nazarene fund we got 5200 people off the ground and that's uh you know it's it's one of these stories that uh you know, it's, it's tough to reconcile because you have this one side of you that's so happy and joyful. I just got back from the humanitarian center where we we've, have been bringing people in the country that we're in. And I got to see these people that I'm looking around and it just it overwhelmed me. And I got just so emotional because, you know, we've been working hard. So we, so hard all week, you know, I've only got six hours of sleep in the last five days and, and uh, we've been working so hard and to walk in to see these people and, uh, and know that they have a chance, they have hope and, uh, and, and see these little kids and, and I got to see my interpreter that, that I got out and his family and his kids ran up to me and hugged me. And I was just so emotional and overwhelmed. So there's this sense of joy, but then there's also this sense of what we, you know, what we've seen in Kabul where you have people left, uh, American citizens left, uh, people are still in sewage ditches trying to climb their way over Constantino wire, 
throwing their kids. I didn't see it, but uh, my buddy, one of my buddies, Joe, saw uh, three babies dead in the Constantino wire where moms tried to throw their babies over the Constantino wire uh, or moms or dads tried to throw their babies over the Constantino wire just hoping, you know, rather give away their baby than than have it be under the Taliban and, and the babies got tangled up in the Constantino wire and, and were dead in there. And, and uh, you know, and now we're hearing reports of uh, dads shooting their daughters, not because they want to kill their daughters, because they don't want their daughters to endure the suffering of the Taliban. And uh, it's just a horrific situation. And my heart just breaks to know these people are just still, they're left there. And, and we did it. Our government, you know, I've never, as a proud American, as someone, I'm the most patriotic guy I think I know. And, and to ever feel embarrassed and ashamed uh, of our country. I sat in front of a, this morning I sat in a conference room and I had four generals from a foreign military, amazing nation that had helped these people, 18 lawyers, their minister of, of interior, the minister of foreign affairs. And I just thanked them for helping us, but I also had to apologize for our country and, and putting them in a situation to have to help. And now our country, most importantly, I think all your listeners need to hear is we still are not doing the right thing. The white house is still stopping people from doing the right thing. Our state department is paralyzed. They will not move these people. And, uh, they put it on the entire rest of the world is participating in this humanitarian crisis, uh, of on a biblical scale. But the one government that caused this problem is not participating in helping. And it's an embarrassment to our country. And, uh, and, and we need to, we, the people need to hold our white house accountable, uh, for this. And this is not a political statement about your Trump versus Biden and all that stuff that everybody's been caught up in the last years. This is about what's morally right as human beings. Uh, the world can't function this way. Not when the strongest, uh, greatest nation in the world behaves this way and treats people this way. I, I, uh, I had a phone call with uh, uh, an ambassador of a country last night, and I had exactly the same um, same conversation. And I was amazed at how this country, um, A, dismissed America now, uh, just as they're just, you know, we, we, don't, we don't trust anymore, um, but also who would not dwell on it, uh, said, but that's a different story. Um, this is about saving people. And here's this great country that wasn't playing politics at all, didn't care, doesn't no. want any of the credit. Um, and they are moving uh, heaven and earth. And because of our State Department, their hands were tied. Yeah. We're talking about the same country, and it's like, I'm looking at these people. I'm looking at their military. I'm looking at their government, the volunteers, the, the workers. They're feeding these families. I went in the humanitarian center today. There's there's doctors and toys for the kids, and it's amazing. And I'm like, you people are incredible. Like, they are so amazing to be treating these, these refugees this way. Uh, they feel like they're in a home right now. These people feel like there's, this is not a tent city. It's beyond unbelievable what these people are doing. And, and our government won't do anything. They won't lift a finger to help. I, I, think, I'm, uh, I think I'm at the place that um, 
I think I'm at the place that you are uh, without being able to see the humanitarian uh, side of it uh, because I'm kind of boxed in and not allowed to uh, go to some of the places that you are. And uh, I, am, I, I can't tell you the, when you're only seeing the bad side. I, I feel um, such empathy for our soldiers um, because oh they, yeah. th- this must be the way they feel. Because there's like, uh, it's just the walls close in on you and you're like, what is happening? Well, I mean, how, how these young, uh, obviously, you know, Mighty Oaks Foundation, you know me, like there's nothing more uh, I love and support. I've committed my life to our mil- America's military warriors. And so I love our troops. And, and uh, but our military is not doing the job of the military right now. The State Department took over the NEO, and and the NEO, the non-combatant evacuation operation, which is a DOD function. Uh, the White House gave it to the State Department, and our State Department is using our military like embassy security. They treated that airport. They have no business. They don't know what a NEO is. They don't know how to run a NEO. That's not the State Department's job. The White House gave it to them because they thought our military was too emotionally attached to the Afghan uh, to Afghanistan after 20 years, and the and the State Department yeah, well, treated the, the airport like a embassy. They treated it like an embassy. So, so Chad, help me out with this. I, I believe that our soldiers, the the boots on the ground, the people, you know, of the 82nd Airborne, etc., they're good, solid people, and they know what's right, but. Uh, oh, yeah. It yeah. it appears as though the 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 brass it, it comes from a different place, cut more from like the White House. D- it, am I reading yeah, this wrong? It, you know, you're reading it 100. percent Man, I wish I could tell you that story right now. And when I can, I know I want to expose this story because it's it's horrific. But uh, the, I will tell you, you know, when from, from, you from you Billy, tell the story, and we'll get our teeth into it, and I will. I will be right with you. I will not let go until those people pay. They have to pay. I mean, from from I know. Uh, Joint Chief Milley on down, they they you know have made our made our U.S. military uh, have used our United States military to to do a job in a way that cost America that's costing American lives and the lives of our allies, and it, and they've and 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 I couldn't imagine. You know, being in being the position of our military service members right now, uh, and and being forced to do things that are immoral, inhumane, and uh, and against who who America is, they're against everything they raised their hand and made an oath to do, and uh, and they're being forced to do that by the leaders uh, in Washington D.C. sitting back and you know making decisions based on whatever the White House is saying, but not what's right, and and which made America always great is that America does what's at the end of the day, America, you know, does what's does right. That's right. And, uh, um, and uh, how, right how, how many Americans do you think are going to be left behind? I, I, I got word. I don't know if this is true now. I don't know what's true and what's not. Um, I got word that uh, the embassy staff, all the foreign embassy staff, left behind. Um, how many Americans do you suppose are left behind? Well, you know, we've continued to hear the number 10,000. But I've also heard that a number could be twice that many uh, because the State Department does not require you to register. You know, I think the one thing uh, White House Press Secretary Saki said was that that's been right is that 
you know, U.S. US people don't have to register and uh, don't have to register when you leave. And, uh, you know, it's the freedom we have. And uh, so that's not a very track. That's not a very well tracked database that the State Department has. So the State Department really didn't have any idea. But between 10 and 20,000 were going to be left there. And look, the military, this is over. The military is leaving. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to wake up tomorrow morning and, uh, well, different, you know, I don't know, your U.S. listeners, different time zone. But here, you know, it's, it's about to be night. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to wake up tomorrow morning and, and they're gone. Uh, well, the, the Pentagon just said that they aren't going anywhere until the 31st. But that's different than what we hear on the ground here. Um, you yeah. know, we, we hear that uh, things are uh, advancing rapidly uh, and they're pulling the troops out right now. Um, uh, you know, again, I don't know what what is true and what is not uh, unless we hear from the people who are actually on the ground and they've seen it. It, it, it appears it appears they're leaving now. If they stay to 31st, just to say they did, you know, uh, they may do that and they may leave a contingency just to say they didn't pull out. But it, right now, there's really no relevance of them even being there because we are not rescuing uh, people anymore. You know, we, we as the NGO doing this shut down. The military is not doing anymore. The gates are sealed. Um, as far as rescue, it, it's, it's, it's over. I mean, we've, we've essentially handed over our citizens to the Taliban. Chad, and, you know, what I believe to be the most horrific hostage situation in history of the, of the United States. You you had a plan. You had a plane that was getting ready to take off, and it it was canceled because we flew a plane in, and that hit a cap um, here where where we're at. Um, did that? Has that? Are those people safe? Those women and you know, children. Uh, there was women and children on on uh, that we were going to pick up that flight. Those those are safe. Yes, uh, okay. thank God. And, and you know, and and look, we, we you and I talked about this. Everyone was just trying to do the right thing at a thousand miles an hour. No, I know. And uh, no, I know. And, uh, and uh, it's a good thing. <laughs> so you know, they have just they've just. That. <laughs> I I know it's just been on our uh, on our mind uh, and on our heart that these people were yeah. uh, possibly trapped as things get better. Thank God they're out. No. Um, yeah, they, yeah that, that was, a, that was a CSS story. So I don't know where good. they are, but I know, I know they, those people didn't get put back out the fence. Okay. Um, let us know, Chad, when, uh, when we can, uh, uh, help expose what's going on. Um, because, uh, I, I, I know the story that you have to tell, uh, and yep. it, it it will horrify Americans. It will truly, truly horrify Americans. So um, thanks I'm, for I'm everything that for, you're doing, my phone. I'm watching okay. my phone for the wheels to go up on that plane, and as soon as I do, I'll text you. So. Okay, thank you. Chad Robicho, uh, I, I, I can't thank him enough. You should pray for him and uh, the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It is an amazing group of people who are doing incredible things uh, here on the ground. Thank you so much, Chad. Back in a minute. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program.
Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I want to start with some good news. Um, and I'm also, uh, I guess part of that good news is we have Tom Cotton on who can tell us the truth of what he knows is going on. But I also uh, want to tell you and pretty much just let you know what's happening to your money. Uh, I had one of the most bizarre experiences of my life uh, just before this uh, opening monologue here uh, out in the hallway, and I, I want to explain it to you uh, and share some news with you. Coming up in 60 seconds. Believe it or not, I didn't think I would like my pillow uh, because if I, if I picked it up in a store, I would have been like, ah, I'd like something a little more firm, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how exactly it works, but you put your fist through each end of the pillow and it fluffs it and it lasts the whole night. They also have at my pillow the Giza Dream Sheets, which are also fantastic. These are unbelievable. You pay a buttload of money for soft, soft sheets with a high throat count and all that bull crap. These are on sale now for as low as $49.99. And I'm telling you, and I mean this, these are the softest sheets I've ever slept on. They're made with Giza cotton, the softest cotton in the world. They get softer and softer the more you use them. They're breathable, cool to the touch, and really durable. It's MyPillow, MyPillow.com. They have all the products for your sleep and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So if you get the pillow and you're like, I hate this, just ship it back. It's MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener specials. Get the Giza Dream Sheets for as low as $49.99 with the promo code BECK. Do it now, MyPillow.com. Hello, America. Welcome to the program. Um, I'm going to finish this story in a minute, but I will tell you that I, in between breaks, I went out into the hallway, and we have been working on something um, for the last 24 hours because the receiving airports are full, um, and our State Department is blocking these people from leaving and uh, through divine providence, which I will tell you in a little while, um, we happen to be traveling with somebody who had an answer. And he has been working for 24 hours, and that answer is about to come through. Um, but uh, we were talking about the cost of this, and um, it's going to cost about... Uh, <laughs> It's going to cost about uh, $2 million for 1,000 people. And, um, and everybody looked at me, and I said, uh, gosh, I can't believe we're negotiating for people. Uh, but, uh, gee, I think, I think $2 million is probably a good price uh, for 1,000 people. But it is, it is bizarre what is going on right now. And uh, our country is on the wrong side. For the first time in my life, I am, I am ashamed, truly ashamed, morally ashamed of our country. Um, Senator Tom Cotton joins us now, and I'm guessing he feels uh, somewhat the same way about what is happening. Uh, Senator, how are you, sir? Thanks for joining us. Glenn, it's good to be back on with you, uh, but under very difficult 
difficult circumstances, of course. Um, what's happened in Afghanistan over the last couple of weeks is sad. It's tragic. It is shameful, disgraceful, humiliating, embarrassing. Um, and maybe worst of all, Glenn, um, it wasn't predictable. It was predicted. Um, many observed that if President Biden uh, executed his decision withdrawal in the middle of the fighting season uh, by withdrawing the critical enabling support that the Taliban had, or I'm sorry, that the Afghan army had, um, for instance, with Western contractors to keep their Air Force flying, we'd be pulling the rug out from underneath them. Um, and you've started to see some reports come out in the media that says that it was predicted directly to Joe Biden, no matter what he's been saying to the American people, that this would be the fate um, that we face right now. Senator, uh, you know, there are bad decisions, um, but this is... This is a pattern here now. It's not just a pattern because of what he has done before. Um, I mean a pattern here. There is a doubling down of everything. There is a, a refusal to see what is going on, which makes me wonder if, A, the president is mentally competent, and that's being kind, or there is something else at play here because there is there's not an ally that is with us there is not a sane individual left, right, center. It doesn't matter. Politics all aside, we are, res we are, there's blood all over our hands on this. And uh, I can't figure out why. Why is this happening? Why is he doing this? So, Glenn, I mean, the pattern, I would say, goes back now 50 years. Uh, remember, Bob Gates famously uh, said of Joe Biden, uh, when they both served in the Obama administration, that he's been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security decision of his lifetime. Um, it was 40 years when Secretary Gates wrote that. It's 50 years now. The difference is, for, for most of those 50 years, it didn't matter too much because he was a senator and then a vice president. He wasn't in charge, uh, but he is in charge now. And you see in catastrophic relief the consequences of his terrible judgment. Um, now, uh, I, I think his attitude over the last two weeks uh, does also reflect something of Joe Biden's character, um, kind of like the, the anytime he's challenged, he, he defaults to this wise guy attitude of mocking the media. Now, I understand that he's not used to being challenged by the media, uh, but um, they finally have started to press him on his numerous falsehoods. Uh, impress those people around him. And you can tell that it gets under his skin and he gets spider, spiteful and prideful and bitter. Um, and he just digs in his heels even more, even though the circumstances on the ground are obviously uh, uh, deteriorating and they have been for some time. Well, that's what I can't figure out. Is, is, is anyone telling him the truth of what's going on? Or is the Pentagon for the... Is there anyone that is standing up in his in his council that is saying mr president a i understand you already made the decision but now the entire world is not standing with us and people are going to die there are americans that you are leaving behind is anyone that saying that to him yeah, Glenn, all of his speeches uh, on the question have been dangerously detached 
from reality now for a couple of weeks, just as frankly that speech in early July was when he said there'd be no Saigon moment. Um, we wouldn't have a collapse of the government. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear based on the news report that both the Department of Defense and our intelligence agencies were sounding those alarms to President Biden. Um, but another thing about which I want to remind your listeners that Bob Gates said is that Joe Biden has a very mistrustful relationship with senior military leaders. Um, you know, even Barack Obama has said in his own memoirs that uh, Joe Biden as vice president constantly cautioned uh, pre- then President Obama about listening to the senior military leaders at the Pentagon about how they were going to try to box him in, um, how they try to direct policy, not implement his policy. And I think you see the consequences of that of President Biden's attitude now um, is that despite the warnings from senior leaders, the Pentagon and intelligence agencies, um, he plowed straight ahead. So I, I think, Glenn, the, the real question then becomes, are those those closest to him in the White House, in his inner circle, uh, speaking the truth to him? Are they conveying the genuine news? And, and I have questions that they are based on those speeches he's given. And, and also, Glenn, I, I have to say, I think some of them view this as just kind of a, a bad um, you know, news day. You know, like in a campaign, you send Joe Biden out to a radio interview in the campaign last year, and he makes a gaffe, and you've got a couple days of bad headlines. But pretty soon, things move on. And they're treating this fiasco in, in Afghanistan like it's just a bad headline from a campaign, and they want to just turn the page and get back to their reckless $3.5 trillion budget. But it's not just a bad headline whenever you've got hundreds, if not thousands, of Americans trapped behind enemy lines. It's reality. And those Americans are going to be stuck there after Tuesday to say nothing of the green card holders that we can't get into the country uh, and those Afghans who served alongside us and who have been vetted and approved for a special immigrant visa. They're all going to be stranded. The word is uh, here, I'm in the Middle East, and the word is here that there are 1,800 that worked for the uh, embassy that have special visas want to get out and have no chance of getting out now. We're leaving them behind. It's reprehensible. Yeah, I mean, um, it is reprehensible. Uh, It's appalling. It's also strategically foolish. Um, Imagine the challenges we'll have for years to come if we ever need local support uh, in a hot spot around the world. This is one reason why great and respected countries keep their word, uh, which Joe Biden now uh, has broken flagrantly so, and in a way that will reverberate for years to come. So is, I mean, is there, there's no way to, there's no way to stop this. There's not an appetite in Congress to, to, and I don't mean from the Republicans, I mean from the Democrats. Is there not enough people in Congress and in the Senate to stand up and be a check and a balance on this reckless, dangerous behavior? Um, well, Glenn, I think what you've seen from the Democrats is a deafening silence. Um, a very, very few number of Democrats um, oftentimes veterans themselves may be serving on the armed services or the intelligence committee have suggested that we need to, at a minimum, uh, stay as long as it takes to get out all of the Americans uh, who are in Afghanistan. But most Democrats just don't want to talk about it at all. As you saw with Nancy Pelosi, she just wanted to talk about their reckless three and a half trillion dollar budget. They want, they're like President Biden's foot blades. They just want to keep their head down, 
grit, grit and bear it like it's a cam- like it's a bad news cycle on a campaign and then turn the page. Hopefully after next Tuesday, it's all going to be out of the headlines and the media will move on. It's going to be I worse. Don't, I don't see how, how's, how are we going to move on if we have hundreds or even thousands of Americans who are stranded in Afghanistan when the Taliban at that point control not just all the border crossings, but all the airports in the country. And this is, I mean, the only hope, and I say this with just callous um, disregard to humanity, but the only hope is that there will be no press there to report it. But so far, the Taliban still has Twitter, still has Facebook, um, and I don't think they're going to be shy in showing some of it. Yeah, uh, Maybe yeah, then they'll amazing. violate the yeah. Twitter standards. Well, I mean, that is a big difference um, between uh, the, where, one of the big differences between where we are now and where the Taliban was uh, 20 years ago before 9-11 um, is social media didn't really exist back then. Uh, and as we've seen with ISIS um, over the years, ISIS is very aggressive in their use of social media for propaganda purposes and recruiting and training. Uh, and I suspect that'll be the same. That'll be true of the Taliban as well. Um, quickly, one last question. I know you've got to run. Thank you, A, for kicking some butt with the State Department. But can you give me an update on the State Department? We last night had an ambassador called in, I think it's Macedonia. They closed off. We were looking for places where we can fly people in just to hold them. And Macedonia was one of them. And our ambassador... Uh, 